They got their franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Now, do you protect him? Take Evan Neal, who's played left and right and guard. Do you take Ika McWanu, who some think is as good or better than Neal? Or do you take the pass rusher in Aiden Hutchinson, who's moved ahead of Kayvon Thibodeau? Thomas, hit from behind and taken down. Set by Kayvon Thibodeau. The best player on my board is Kyle Hamilton. And that ball is intercepted. That is the All-American Kyle Hamilton. They took a corner in J.C. Horn last year. They come back with Sauce Gardner over Derek Stingley Jr., who hasn't done much since 2019 when he was great. Welcome into another week of First Draft with Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay. I'm Kevin Agandhi, coming off the practice squad, filling in for Field Yates. Thank you for joining us. There's a lot of ways you could find us. Of course, you could watch us live right here at 2 p.m. Eastern time on YouTube, as well as Twitter and the ESPN app. Also, regular YouTube if you want to catch up and watch something you may have missed. If, you know, if your schedule also demands a podcast like I like to do, as I like to catch up on things with Mel and Todd as well as Field and what they have to do with the draft, I listen to it on the podcast. We want to just say thank you, of course, for being a fan. And let's bring in our guys. That is Mel and Todd. Guys, we have a variety of topics, of course. Uh, the return of Tom Brady, the quarterback uh, trades that shook up the draft landscape, uh, how those trades affect the, the Mach 3.0 from McShay and Twitter. But I just want to say I am honored to share the stage with you guys once again. I promise, though, I will not screw things up. And congrats to Richmond basketball winning the Atlantic 10, Todd. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Now we're dancing. All you, all you can ask for in life is a chance to dance. You're right. You got to get an invitation to the dance. Now we got it. Look out, Iowa. I know Iowa's tough, but we it's in our DNA. We're giant killers, the Richmond Spiders. So I know this isn't an NCAA hoops phenomenal podcast here, but man, I'm I'm fired up. Well, fired phenomenal up prep talk, because there's a lot of people that have Iowa in the final four. We will talk about that separately on Sports Center when we get you on to get your opinion about the Richmond Spiders. But <laughs> Mel, uh, this this ties into the theme this month, right? It is March Madness everywhere, not just in college basketball, but of course with the NFL this week. And it feels like it's going to change the entire landscape on how you guys look at the draft. Yeah, Kev, I'm going to pass on my chance to dance. Nobody wants to see that, and I certainly don't want to do that ever. But I will say this. I think quarterbacks are wild, and and quarterbacks in in terms of the NFL with Tom Brady coming out of retirement, not a shocker that happened. All the trades that took place, and we're still waiting on some that could. Deshaun Watson, obviously a key to this whole thing. The Seattle Seahawks, are they going to be satisfied enough with Drew Locke? Are they going to look at maybe Malik Willis at pick number nine, that pick from Denver? A lot of crazy things are going to be happening. Uh, a lot of speculation on where teams need to go. Uh, it's going to be a fun couple months, guys, coming up to the draft because of the veterans and what will happen there, how these teams will be constructed, and then the decisions on draft day tying in to the veteran quarterbacks that are still available, like Jimmy G with the Colts do. Uh, they're sitting there. Jimmy G could be uh, an Indianapolis Colt. Carson Wentz now in Washington with Heineke. Uh, a lot of interesting things have happened and a lot more to go. I feel like there's a domino effect, too, as well. When you look at the talent, especially at the top part of this draft, that quarterback, in previous years, that would shape up how we could see free agency. But with the, with the thin, when it comes to franchise quarterback, the thin uh, options there, especially in the top 20 picks, it feels like that has played a huge role in the last couple weeks with the trades as well as the draft picks as well as the money that's going to be doled out. Would you agree, Todd? Absolutely. I mean, Mel just mentions some of the guys that are that are still, you know, the dominoes that still have to fall. But, I mean, just doing my mock draft, for example, I, I had I had a Washington taking a quarterback at 11 and Kenny Pickett. And then I find out the news that, that they've, you know, made the deal for Carson Wentz. And so now I drop him from, 
from 11 to 18. That, that's the fascinating part with the draft and these quarterbacks. They all kind of belong. When we're talking about Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh, Malik Willis from Liberty, Matt Corral, Ole Miss, Desmond Ritter, they're all, if you grade them properly, properly, bottom half of the first round. That's really where they belong. Bottom half of the first round, maybe first 10 picks of the second round. And most years they get bumped up. This year, if it's not Seattle or maybe a little bit earlier with a team like Carolina or maybe even Atlanta surprising us at number eight, uh, then you see a bunch of teams there in the middle that don't need a quarterback until you get down uh, to the Saints. And then we, we've got news also on Pittsburgh as well. So there's all of a sudden with all this movement and still Deshaun Watson out there and Seattle having to make a decision, I've even heard that they might have interest in trading for Tyler Huntley if Baltimore would trade Tyler, Tyler Huntley, and I, I don't think they will. So – so many things have to happen. Free agency is just kicking off uh, tomorrow. And so uh, we're going to find out a lot. But when it, when it all comes down to it, what's the supply and demand going to be? We know the supply. It's not great this year. What's the demand going to be when it comes to the first-round teams that really need to address quarterbacks? Yeah, you know what? I can't wait to bring this up to, uh, with you as well as Mel later on the program here about Jordan Love now with the idea of Aaron Rodgers staying there and supplying mm-hmm. demand. What would that be like if Jordan Love were in the draft this year and how he would stack up? We'll get to that, but let's get to the franchise quarterbacks and the big news in the last 24 hours, and that is Tom Brady deciding that he wants to come back 40 days after retiring. Now, in your latest mock, which is obviously going to change, 3.0, this happened before the Brady news. You gave Tampa Bay the pick at guard center, that is Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M. When you look at the free agency and, and the line and the depth there with the Bucks, does that change your situation on how Tampa approaches round number one? I don't think so. I mean, I still think they need interior offensive line. And you've got Ryan Jensen, who's a free agent. Is he going to return now that Brady's coming back? You would think it's more likely that Jensen would return, but what's the the money situation? He's the most coveted center, maybe interior offensive lineman uh, out there in in free agency. So is he going to go? Ali Marpet, the guard, retired early. And so now they have a a hole at guard. So I went with Kenyon Green there, and and maybe it's in the second round that they wind up, you know, going after a player. They don't pick – they pick, I think, 27th overall and then 59th in the second round. So you're talking about a major drop-off. But I I look at, like I said – it could be Linderbaum, Taylor Linderbaum, the uh, the center from Iowa is a possibility. It could be Kenyon Green in the in the first round, and then the second round, where are they going to go? But they they certainly have holes to fill. Running backs, another one. You know, will Kenneth Walker from Michigan State or or uh, Brees Hall from from Iowa State, the top two running backs in this class, will they be available at fifty nine? So all three of their running backs from a year ago are free agents. There's a bunch of free agents. I think over 20 free agents for Tampa Bay that have, made, have got to make decisions on whether to go get more money elsewhere or to come back and chase a championship with Tom Brady. And that's what's fascinating about this organization. They've got a lot of calculations to, to punch in terms of which players they can afford to bring back and what are the most important keys in terms of trying to give Brady an opportunity to chase yet another Super Bowl. Todd, the operative word, I think, for all of us is going to be fascinating. Uh, you said it once. I'll say it again. How about the <laughs> NFC South? I mean, think about what's happened there and what could have happened had Tom Brady not come back, okay? Now you have Deshaun Watson. Tampa Bay was in the mix. Now with Deshaun Watson, is it New Orleans? Is it Carolina? Knowing Atlanta still has Matt Ryan playing really good football. I also want to bring up some latest news that came in the last two hours. Alex Kappa 
a guard there for the Bucks. Looks like he's going to sign with the Bengals. And that, again, that adds to the mm. lack of depth that we have here with the Buccaneers and their offensive line. I mean, keep in mind, they picked 27th, 59th, 91st overall. Uh, that is the first three rounds. And with all the free agents there, I, I mean, Jason Light's going to have his hands full right now. Now that you know Brady's there and potentially coming at a reasonable number that you have to fill up, could you have Gronk come back? You have to figure out, do you, do you want to bring back Fournette? But to me, the, mo- the biggest priority for the Buccaneers is making sure you're protecting Tom Brady, especially at his age. Kevin, 45 years old, never been mobile to begin with. And you're talking about a, a, you know, one of the best interior offensive lines a year ago in, in the National Football League. And now I already mentioned Jensen free agent, mm. Kappa leaving, Marpet retiring. It's a, it's a recipe for disaster. So what, it's going to have to come from the draft and from free agency. Are they able to, to re-sign, uh, re-sign Jensen at the center position? And then what do they get it in terms of an offensive guard? Is it going out and getting a, another veteran from a different team that's a free agent? Or are they going to just rely on the guy they want? And I mentioned Kenyon Green makes the most sense from Texas A&M. That's about where he projects to come off the board. Uh, but after that, you know, you're waiting to 59 to be one of the three interior guys that's going to be protecting Brady, where if you move him off the spot as a passer, he, he's you know, much less successful and much less efficient throwing the football. So that's the number one key. We can talk about Fournette and Gronk and all this other stuff. You've got to protect Brady up the middle. Now, we want to also make sure we remind everybody, uh, reports are coming out that Jensen in the last 24 hours has agreed to a potential three-year, $39 million contract to stay in Tampa. That is a big play, like you mentioned, Todd. It's good to That's see great. It's good to see Mel back I here. I can't keep up with all this stuff, <laughs> Nagani. And, and it, listen, it's going to be like that, honestly, for the next two weeks, right? Our hair is going to be on fire, and yep. things will settle down at the end of March for you guys to look at boards and who has filled space here as you get ready for your other mocks, but I want to get Mel's finishing thought here about the Buccaneers moving on big picture-wise with the idea of Tom Brady coming back for year number 23. Yeah, I think for 45 years of age, you know, you think about what he'll be. Tony Romo is going to be 42. Tony Romo is three years, okay, you think about three years younger than Tom Brady. Tony Romo is. So, top, George Bland of 48 when he hung it up with the Raiders. He was a kicker and a quarterback. So, how long will Tom play? Hopefully until he's 50-55. But I think when you look at Zion Johnson, another outstanding interior lineman coming out of Boston College could be in the mix as well. What this does, it, it, it obviously gives everybody kind of more excitement. Now, Jensen coming back. Think about Gronk, what's going to happen with Rob Gronkowski. Everybody now excited to be a Buccaneer where before it was okay, it was going to be Kyle Trask. Who the heck's going to be the quarterback in Tampa Bay with life after TB12? Now we know that's all settled down and we know who it is. So I think it's going to be really an interesting situation coming up with the quarterbacks that are available in the draft. We know who they are. And as Todd mentioned, they're all going to be pushed down a bit, but one guy will ascend. One guy will be picked higher than he's graded. And I keep going to Malik Willis on talent, but I said Saturday on the Darian Mel show, didn't Desmond Ritter, Todd, and see if you agree or disagree, on talent and on where he'll be drafted will be the best value of any quarterback. If he goes second round, I have him at 28 on the big board right now. We know about the talent, dual threat, tremendous character, great work ethic. First one in the building, last one out. 
Forget the Alabama game. If you can throw that out of your mind and get it out of your mind and not worry about a game against Alabama where the team was overmatched, how smooth he is throwing the football. Accuracy will, will come and go on occasion where he'll airmail a swing pass to a running back. But he was on target with throws. He throws a beautiful ball. He gives you that dual threat running ability. And he's got talent. And talent wins out. And if he gets into the second round, which you know, could happen, on grade and then the talent, I think he might be the the best value of any quarterback in this draft. I don't disagree, Cut. I really don't. I, I look at Ritter as, as probably the most intriguing. We know Malik Willis has the highest ceiling. We know that Kenny Pickett's probably the most NFL ready. But when you talk, we always talk about Pickett and his game experience of 49 starts. Well, Ritter's got a, is a four-year starter, and the dude never loses. I mean, he rarely ever loses. He's a proven winner. And you, you get – this is the time of year where I get to start to dig into the person too, not just the, the, what I see on tape. You know, I've got my tape machine here. I'm watching the film all day long. That's why I don't know that Jensen's already re-signed within the last 24 hours. I'm studying a backup guard from who knows where. But my point is, with Ritter and, and all these guys, you start to talk to scouts who have done the due diligence over the last 13, 15 months – We've gotten to know him as a person. He talked to Jordan Palmer, who's working with him, and, and talks about like his incredible work ethic, how committed he is to football, how he, he just needs to be in the right situation. I was working on his, foot, his footwork and, and really the efficiency of his movements. He's such a good athlete, but he always hasn't, he don't, not, hasn't really always bottled it up and become efficient with his footwork. And you saw, just in a little time working with, with Jordan Palmer and working on his footwork, what he's been able to improve upon when he threw at the combine. I I thought he probably had the I thought he had the best passing session at the combine for whatever that's worth. And from everyone I talked to in the league, they were kind of blown away. And they all kind of looked at each other when he left the room from interviews. Like, this guy's got it. Like, whatever it is, he's got it. And we, we would love to develop him. So I think if there's such thing as a, a rising player or a player that's the most intriguing right now in the process as teams are digging in to the person behind just the, what you see on tape, Ritter certainly is there. And it won't surprise me if, if – Pickett and Willis in whatever order are the first two quarterbacks off the board, but the third one could be Ritter ahead of, of Matt Corral and, and Sam Howell and the other quarterbacks we've talked about. Okay, we will see how that uh, obviously plays out. Now, now, let's get back to the franchise trades that we saw from last week, and, and I want to also hang on one thing specifically that Mel just brought up, and that is a team that's going to kind of overvalue the quarterback position with Malik Willis, and that could – fit right here with the trade that we saw last week with the Broncos acquiring Russell Wilson, sending multiple draft picks as well as Drew Locke. But one of those picks is number nine to Seattle. And Seattle's in the market at, at quarterback here. Mel, your thoughts on the idea of Seattle reshaping this team with four picks in the top 75, including that number nine pick from Denver? Yeah, everybody thought, Kevin Todd, that when, when they made this move, okay, when they traded away Russell Wilson, that they had a plan in place. John Schneider, heck of a GM, Pete Carroll, 70 years of age. Do you want to complete rebuild at age 70? Or do you have a plan to try to get a quarterback, whether it's they feel and, – and Jeremy Fowler, NFL insider, came on a Darian Mel show Saturday, and he said, guys, that – they like Drew Locke a little bit more than maybe people think. He wasn't just a throw-in. They liked him coming out. They feel like, hey, in Denver with that situation with coaching and whatever was going on, that they can mold him and develop Drew Locke. But is there a plan? He might be plan A. What is plan you know, 1A, 1B? Uh, do they go out and take a Malik Willis to be there and compete so you ends up being the better quarterback? What, did they get into the Deshaun Watson situation? Doesn't look like that's going to happen. What does Seattle do with 33-year-old Russell Wilson now at Denver Bronco to the point about the trade? 
I love it for Denver. Uh, you got to get a quarterback in that division. Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, you're going to be in the cellar every year no matter what you do at other positions. you got to catch up at quarterback, make it more of a level playing field. In the AFC in general, where all the great quarterbacks, Josh Allen and all the others are. So for Denver, they had to do it. For Seattle, I want to see who is the guy stepping in at quarterback in a division that still includes you know, Matthew Stafford, Super Bowl winning quarterback, and Kyler Murray. We'll see what Trey Lance develops into with the 49ers. So I think it's going to be really, again, fascinating to see what Seattle does. But I love the move for Denver. I don't think you can ever give up too much for a Super Bowl winning quarterback in Russell Wilson at age 33. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because if you're picking at nine, you're, you're overvaluing a quarterback if that's the direction you go, whether it's Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis, in my opinion. But if, if you don't believe in Drew Locke or you don't have an answer via free agency or a veteran, then, then what do you do? Because you know when you, when you pick again in the second round, there's not going to be a quarterback that you, that you feel good about is going to wind up beating out Drew Locke, whether it's in year one or year two. So I, I look at Seattle – and say, all right, it's Drew Locke now unless they bring in a different free agent to compete with Drew Locke for that job. And if that's the case, what else do they need? They need defensive line help. I, I gave him Kayvon Thibodeau at that number nine spot, the defensive end from Oregon, if he's still available. available. We know about the talent, the up-and-down tape, and, and all of that. But he would be a, a great value at number nine, in my opinion. And then if, you know, if it's not Thibodeau there, Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle for Georgia. They, they need pass rushers and they need cover guys. And so it could be Derek Stingley if Ahmad Gardner from Cincinnati is not available. Stingley, obviously, that great freshman season at LSU in 2019, the last two years, injuries and up and down play. So there's a lot at play, but I think ultimately it comes down to what, what's the best player available at nine if they don't go quarterback at defensive end, cornerback or defensive tackle yeah when you look at this defense it was horrendous it's the opposite of what we saw 10 years ago with the legion of boom and a big reason why they missed the playoffs uh let's go to the other side and Todd, I want to talk to you about the Broncos specifically here. And they don't have that first-round pick. It's now in uh, in Seattle. For Denver here, though, they've got three second-round picks. At 64th overall, that's part of the Von Miller trade. Also the 96th overall, part of the uh, Von Miller trade. And then at 76. What must they now make sure they improve here around Russ? Because they already have a ton of weapons on the offensive side. They're very young, and their defense is pretty solid. So what must they focus on an attack here, especially in round two. Yeah, I think offensive tackle is probably the, the biggest possibility if, if you're looking on the offensive side. I think in that, you know, 64, we're talking about Daniel Fa'alele from Minnesota would be a great option, a massive offensive tackle who just keeps getting better with more work in terms of his, his technique. Also, defensive end, edge rusher. Cam Thomas is more of kind of a power defensive end. Not sure he'd be a perfect fit coming out of San Diego State. Maje Sanders is more of a 3-4 outside linebacker type, but brings speed off the edge. He's gotten down to 228 at the combine. I think a lot of it was because he wasn't feeling well and had an illness. Uh, but bottom line is they need edge rusher. They also could go linebacker, and, and they need a guy in the middle there, uh, Christian Harris from Alabama. Instinct's still a work in progress, but, man, he can fly. He can cover sideline to sideline playmaker. He would be a possibility. Chad Muma. You talk about later in the third round, coming out of Wyoming, a player who will come in right away. I think he can be a starter. Maybe it's not year one, uh, but it certainly will push for a starting job. Great on special teams right away. So there are linebackers. There are a bunch of edge rushers this year on day two, and, and I think those are two of the biggest positions if it's not right tackle with that first pick at number 64. 
Yeah, and Abraham Lucas, Abe Lucas, Washington State, would be another guy that perfect right yep. tackle to step in. But they have a Javante Williams already, Todd. You got the elite running back. You drafted him in the second round last year out of North Carolina. I think the Denver Broncos are ready to roll. I really do. I think they are confident that they can make those picks. Ironically, guys, the best draft in the history of the NFL, the late great Bill Walsh orchestrated that draft where they traded out of the first – then they got in the second, traded into the second, into the middle of the second, and had the best draft ever. So historically, best draft ever. A team didn't even have a first round pick. So again, Denver's fine. They got their quarterback. They're ready to go now. I think the, we turn all our attention to Seattle to see what they do. If in fact they believe as well as what Jeremy Fowler said, is they believe somewhat in Drew Locke. We'll see if they bring anybody else in to compete with Drew, who is not that far removed from Missouri when he had that big arm coming out of the Missouri Tiger program. And we'll see if he can get a little more fire to go along with that strong right arm. By the way, guys, we're not done with all the uh, quarterback trades. Of course, Carson Wentz coming in a moment. The thoughts on the commanders and what they did. And now the Colts looking for a quarterback. But first, let's take care of this. What's the safe return of live events? You can actually be there to catch all the action in person. How about this? With vivid seats. That's right. Every alley-oop slam, every one-timer and every sideline grab can be experienced live in With Vivid Seats Rewards, you can earn rewards like free tickets. All you have to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat it. It's that easy. From upper level to courtside, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today and cheer on your favorite team from the sands. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. That is Vivid Seats. Life happens live. First Draft is also brought to you by Geico. Geico asking, how would you love a chance to save money on insurance? Of course you would. After all, who doesn't love a great deal right right now? When it comes to great rates on insurance for all things in your life, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners, condo, or renter's coverage. You can save even more with a special discount when you bundle your coverages. Plus, add the easy-to-use Geico mobile app. That is available. 24-hour roadside assistance and much more. Choosing to switch to Geico becomes an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you can save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com to get rate quotes or contact your local agent and get started seeing how much you could save. Okay, here we go. The Carson Wentz conversation. That was another shocker. It felt like every single day of last week was breaking news and a quarterback was on his way. And the Colts, less than, I would say, 15 months since acquiring Carson Wentz from the Eagles and sending a first-round pick as well as a third-round pick. Now they acquire two third-round picks from the Washington Commanders. And when you look at the situation, especially with the Colts roster, They've been looking for a quarterback for a while, ever since Andrew Luck decided to uh, retire here, Todd. And they've got Sam Ellinger, James Morgan currently on the roster. Neither has started an NFL game. If you were the GM and you were Chris Ballard, would you say to yourself, I have to leave this draft with a quarterback? How would you approach it, especially with no number one? Yeah, we pick at 42, Kevin. I, I I don't see how you answer the problem at quarterback. It, it can't, Chris Ballard, the GM, has to be looking at this and say, you know, maybe we draft a quarterback on day two. Maybe Sam Howell sitting there at the, what, 40, 42nd pick. But then they don't, they don't pick again until 73. I just don't, you know, Sam Howell isn't going to be your long-term answer. You're not bringing, he probably needs as much uh, time to develop in the NFL coming from that system that he was in in North Carolina as, as any other quarterback. So uh, to me, you've got to find a, a veteran. 
what that is, we'll find out what, what Ballard's plan is. You don't get rid of Wentz and, and trade him away if you don't have some sort of plan in line or, or you know, an option A, B, C, and D. So we'll see. But I don't think it's going to be quarterback. I think for them it's more you know, getting some help around the quarterback position. Wide receiver's a spot. I think when you get to 42, is it Sky Moore out of Western Michigan who's really moving up the up a lot of NFL teams' boards? Just a really smooth athlete, ran well at the Combine, very productive player at the college ranks. Um, and then, you know, John Mechie could be a possibility. Might be a little bit early. He's coming off the, the knee injury, but he's going to be ready in June coming out of Alabama. Jamison Williams was the, the big-time playmaker. He's the speedster. He's going to be a late first-round pick off of his ACL injury. Uh, but Mechie was the, the, the dirty work guy, you know, the possession receiver, 92 catches last year. He was the guy they went to when they needed to pick up a first down. So, you know, wide receivers of the possibility. You mentioned Abraham Lucas. Mel, Washington State, that offensive tackle. He's going to be somewhere in that second-round range. And 42 probably isn't too rich in terms of where he could come off the board. So I think offensive tackle, wide receiver are two spots. You've got to help out whoever's going to be at the quarterback position. But I don't expect Chris Ballard to go into this draft with the current quarterback situation as it is without bringing in a veteran that he feels can be a quality starter next year. I think, they, and Kevin, this speaks to the lack of patience in this league or whatever, knee-jerk reactions, an owner getting involved. I don't know what one. One year with Frank Reich, who was his coach when he played really well in Philadelphia for Carson Wentz. You got receiver injury, offensive line, left tackle retired. Yes, you ran the ball with Taylor, a rookie from Wisconsin, very effectively. But when you lose weapons and your offensive line, last time I checked, a lot of those bad throws, those bad decisions, those those desperation throws that Wentz is tossing was because he was pressured trying to make a play. If that could give him another year, uh, one year, and you're going to cut ties with Carson Wentz and send him to Washington, who now says, okay, you're going to be my starting quarterback. Taylor Heineke will now be the backup. And then where do you go? I said earlier, Jimmy G is out there. Jimmy Garoppolo, if you can get him for a two, I thought maybe multiple picks now because he's going to be somewhat in demand. If Indy's got to fill this void with a quarterback that's established and can win and can be a guy, as Boward says, we want a guy to be there for a longer time than one year. Darius Leonard spoke to that about what every one new quarterback every five years. You've got to have continuity. And I think, to me, I wonder about that lack of patience, but, it, hey, it can benefit Washington now possibly. But I think Garoppolo, for if they can get him for a two, guys uh you make that deal in a second where else are you going to go if you're indianapolis right now unless they feel sam ellergan can be the ellinger can be the guy formerly at texas where he played really well all those years so i think we now keep an eye on seattle and we keep a, a really an eye on indy because in that division you got to take advantage of tennessee's taking advantage of it they're not getting to the super bowl but there's Tannehill, good not great quarterback right Eventually, Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville is going to figure it out and get the kind of talent to make Trevor a great quarterback. And we'll see what Davis Mills is in Houston. This is Indy, a team that everybody says, personnel-wise, as good as anybody. Well, you know, now they've got to get the quarterback and allow this team that's ready to win a chance to maybe get to where they want to go, which is beyond just getting knocked out in the final game against Jacksonville. When in that game, guys, it wasn't Wentz. The first drive of that game, the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Colts went the distance, okay? I think it was only the second time all year, first drive, they got a touchdown. They did it against that Colt defense. So, you know, you blame Wentz all you want. There are a lot of other factors that contributed to the Colts not making the playoffs this year than the quarterback. Okay, and, and when you look at the Colts and the mindset that Indy has and the mindset that the Broncos have and the mindset that Washington has, it feels like they, they that their rosters feel like, hey, you know what, we, we got a pretty good defense, all three of those teams – 
and we got some playmakers. We, we feel like we're one guy away, and that is the quarterback position. So Indy is left open trying to figure it out once again. They thought they had the guy with Carson Wentz. The Broncos decide to fill that position with Russell Wilson. How about Washington, where we're talking about a team just a year ago that made the playoffs, and, and they played really well in round one against the Buccaneers. And when you look at their situation, sending two number threes, Mel, they got the 11th overall pick, the 47th overall pick uh, in the first first uh, two rounds with only five picks in this draft do they target a quarterback at potentially 11 do they make a move at the quarterback position or are they in your mind okay to say all right let's see where we're at specifically this year with Carson Wentz as the future well how would you approach things if you're Washington no quarterback absolutely no quarterback Carson Wentz they are three could become a two Mm -hmm. so that could become a second round pick and probably will if he stays healthy Uh, Taylor Heineke as I said last week eight games he completed over 70% of his passes now he had some struggles against some good defenses and that's why he'll be a backup he's a great backup so your quarterback room if Wentz is the guy he's only 29 years of age Carson Wentz keep that in mind as well and he was a guy was an MVP candidate back in the day and was considered one of the best young quarterbacks in the league I don't think he forgot how to play quarterback okay if you, if you can play really well as a kid coming out of North Dakota State, did you forget it? Yeah, I think it's like riding a bike playing quarterback if you get some help. So I, I think that's a good move for the Washington Washington Commanders getting him back in the NFC East. For me, and Todd hit it on, on middle linebacker. I think in your mock you had Devin Lloyd going there. Middle linebacker. People say, well, they yeah. drafted Jamin Davis out of Kentucky. He's an outside backer with Holcomb. Now they need a middle linebacker where it's Devin Lloyd, if it's too high for N'Kobe Dean. There's other middle linebackers in this draft. They can get down the line just a bit, okay? So I think that's a position they will hit, whether they'll hit it with Lloyd or Dean, we'll see. But that's certainly a neat area. Interior of the offensive line with Brandon Sheriff, a free agent. We'll see how that all works out. But I, I like the move. I, you know, people can knock, like I say, Carson Wentz all they want. And I, and some of it was deserved. Some of those you know, unwarranted throws, the, 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 the mistakes he made, I get it. But you, quarterbacks don't grow on trees. You just can't say, I'm going to get rid of one. you got to fill it. Everyone's talking about Baker Mayfield. Get rid of him in Cleveland. Get rid of this guy. Where are you going if you get rid of these quarterbacks? I really like Baker. Baker's getting a raw deal, too. He's getting criticized because he was hurt and when he had a great year two years ago. So this, this reaction to one struggle and they don't factor in anything to it, like what's happening around you, makes no sense. To me, I think Washington made a good move. I want to see what Indy does. And i, I got to believe, guys, that Jimmy Garoppolo is an Indianapolis Colt. If he's not, who the heck's the Colt's going to go after? That, that remains to be seen. Yeah, with Washington, I, I, you know, you mentioned it, and I had it in the mock draft. Devin Lloyd would be a perfect fit there. I know he didn't run the the four five forty yard dash, but he ran four seventy. Plays like four four, you know. And and you talk about the four interceptions and eight sacks last year, remarkable in terms of production. So a guy that can be an every down starter and and the leader of your defense. That's what Washington needs. They they need that alpha dog in the middle of their defense to get everything under control. And I think Devin Lloyd would be a perfect uh, pick there. If it's not linebacker at number 11, and I agree, Mel, it's not quarterback. You're not bringing in Wentz with uh, Taylor Heineke already there and saying, all right, we're going we're gonna to draft one of these guys and pick it or, or Willis at number 11. That's just that's not why you make that move. You make that move saying, all right, we, we got a quarterback, and moving forward, at least for the next couple of years, we're going to give it a shot, and, and let's get better around him. And, and part of being better around him is playing better defense. Like I said – you know, Devin Lloyd, if he's the pick, great. If not, Derek Stingley, the LSU cornerback, could be a possibility. They need a corner. And then the second round, they pick it, what, up? 47 overall. There are some really good linebackers not named Lloyd and Dean in this class. 
Leo Chanel is probably the most underrated player in this draft, or the under least talked about player who's going to be a top 50 pick, in my opinion. The Wisconsin, Wisconsin linebacker, his tape's awesome. His workout at the Combine was outstanding. Leo Chanel would be a great pick in the second round if, if they go corner or a different position at number 11. And, and if it's, again, not linebacker, then you've got cornerbacks there like Kyler Gordon from Washington. Didn't run all that well, but he's a quick, uh, you know, ball hawk type player who's played in the slot and out of the cornerback. You know, the Washington cornerbacks always seem to have success in the NFL. It's a pipeline uh, for that position. Then also Zion Johnson from Boston College. They need some help at guard. Uh, that, as you mentioned, Mel, Zion Johnson, if he, he could slip out of the first round and could be available there at 47, uh, but there's some pretty good interior offensive linemen that they could go with in round two if, if they decide you know, to go cornerback or linebacker with that 11th pick. You brought up an interesting name. I'll just say Leo Chanel from Wisconsin is a thumper. He's kind of a 1960s, 70s, mm. 80s style middle linebacker. If, he, if we were back in the 80s, he'd probably be a top 10 pick in the first round. Is he, is he going to be fluid enough and agile enough in coverage? Can he handle those responsibilities in coverage? Even though he tested great, a little stiff in his movement, can he be, like I say, a, the ability to cover in this league is so critical to be on the, on the field for every down. Can he do that despite, you know, we look at the numbers across the board, they're phenomenal. So I think Chanel does go second round, but uh, like I say, he would have been perfect for the 80s and the 90s, but now in today's game, he's going to have to prove he can handle those coverage responsibilities. Jim Leonard has done a phenomenal job as the D.C. at Wisconsin and setting up that team each and every year, regardless of who's quarterback, regardless of the running back situation, you know you can at least rely on that defense from Wisconsin. That's the same feeling with with Washington and their front front line, right? And, And with you bringing up Devin Lloyd, having a leader in that second level with Chase Young in front of you and Ioannidis and Payne and those guys guys who've established themselves in the NFC East. Todd, you know, uh, we, we talked about how crazy and, and the madness so far in early March with the NFL. I do want to get your thoughts on when you see all these trades, and let's get some reaction from Mach 3.0. How difficult is it to mock draft with all these moves happening during and after you set your board up? Nagandi, let me give you a little timeline here, okay? I'm being a, you know, a good student. I get my work in early to the editors. I get it done, my mock draft on Monday night. It's set to, to come out at 7 a.m. on Wednesday. So Ben Arledge, my editor at ESPN.com, has got it in his, in his mailbox when he comes into work the next morning. It's in his inbox. So I've got it down. I've got Icky Aquano, the offensive tackle from NC State, going one to the Jags. I've, and then I've got, you know, beyond that, it kind of shuffles in. Then I get news, I wake up the next morning, get news, not only Russell Wilson, obviously that's, that's the biggest news of the day, but probably even bigger for, for my mock draft, Cam Robinson, mm-hmm. the Jaguars offensive tackle, starting left tackle, got franchise tag. Now that doesn't mean the Jacks can't draft an offensive tackle. I'm not saying that by any stretch of the imagination. It's a one-year deal with Robinson. He's a, you know, he's a solid starting left tackle coming off of probably his best year of his career. But I do think if you read the tea leaves that they're saying, well, we really love Aiden Hutchinson. So I make the shift to Aiden Hutchinson at one, which affects the next three picks because i got to shuffle guys around. Instead of going Hutchinson at two to Detroit, I move Kyle Hamilton up, and then I drop in the two offensive tackles, Icky Aquano and Alabama, uh, left tackle, right tackle, offensive guard, Evan Neal, whatever you want to say. So now I've got, you know, I've got Hutchinson going one to the Jags. I've made that shift. Then the Seattle news comes in, and I've got to make the shift of Seattle picking at number number nine instead of uh, instead of Denver there. So that's obviously that's a, a big move. Two, really four spots change that morning. That you know early the the day on Tuesday. 
So then I, I you know, re put in, here you go, Ben Orledge, type in, send the email off. We got a new top 10 shuffled around. Oh, and by the way, I had Detroit taking Dax Hill from Michigan, the safety with their third, the 32nd pick. Well, now they get Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame at number two. So I've got to change that pick as well. So a lot of shuffling there. Then I think I'm good. I get up the next morning, you know, get a workout in, shower, get my tie on, my suit, get set up in front of this camera, ready to go. And I get one of my hits done, Sports Center, after doing a couple radio hits. I got Sports Center done at around noon, 12:30. And then I've got to hit a two, 220 for this just in. Oh, by the way, Carson Wentz is moving. And the first quarterback off my board is Kenny Pickett going number 11 to Washington. So now I've got to shuffle the whole thing again. I made nine changes from when I went to bed Monday night to the middle of the day Wednesday after it already had been made. Almost a third of the mock draft changed in a basically a 24-hour period. It was wild. And it's not going to end. Todd, I mean, we're going to continue this. Of no. course, uh, you're going to see this uh, bleed out over the next week, week and a half with uh, free agency and potentially a, a location for Deshaun Watson. I, I do want to look at three specific spots here in your mock, and that is Hutchinson at one going to the Jaguars. Trayvon Walker of Georgia going to the Giants at number five. And then at 29, the Falcons trading up for Matt Corral. What do you think of those three spots specifically? I just think it's interesting because, you know, everyone says Hutchinson's, you know, the number one player on their board, but that's not including necessarily NFL teams. I heard Hutchinson had a great interview with the Jaguars, certainly is a position of need for them. You could argue just as big as any position that they need. And so it makes sense. I still think offensive tackle is in, in, in play. It's a possibility at that number one spot. I'm, I'm curious to get Kuiper. Like, what, what are your thoughts? Is it a lock that Hutchinson goes number one? Or are you still thinking offensive tackle? Uh, you know, where else would they possibly go with that number one overall pick? And unfortunately for the Jaguars, it's not a year with a Trevor Lawrence, you know, one of these elite quarterbacks that, that a team would want to trade up and go get. They're not moving out of that number one spot. It's very unlikely that they would get a deal to move back from number one. So it's Hutchinson or an offensive tackle. And Mel, I can't think of another position or another player that they would wind up going with with that number one pick. Todd, it's tough, and, and Kev, because of, of you know, as you guys know, you can't pick two players. You'd love to have Icky Iquano. You'd love to have Aiden Hutchinson. You'd love to have them both, but you can only have one. And I think what they're hoping is that Phil Rauscher, keep that name in mind, write that name down. He's a new offensive line coach with the Jacksonville Jaguars coming from Minnesota. They, they really feel like he can develop Cam Robinson to a consistent player. They've committed to Cam Robinson left tackle. you got Taylor and you got Walker Little at right tackle. If they can, then Bartram would be one of the guards, Ben Bartram. So if they can fix that because of coaching. I always say you got coach in front of your name for a reason. That was lacking in some areas, obviously, on that team last year. Now, all of a sudden, the offensive line gets better because of Phil Roucher. As important to this organization as anybody in the NFL will be their new offensive line coach. To Hutchinson, we talked about it, and it ties into this pick. This AFC has so many great young quarterbacks, great quarterbacks overall, that you got to get after them. And, and Josh Allen has shown that he can be a really good pass rusher, okay? But you need somebody opposite him. Chason, who they drafted out of LSU a couple years ago in the first round, has been a disappointment. Two sacks in two years, not getting it done. Hutchinson, would, opposite Allen, would give them that pass rush coming off both sides to get after those young quarterbacks and then feel like that Phil Rauscher can improve this offensive line from within. Yeah, Kuiper, and Kevin brought it up, number five was the kind of the next pivot point for me with the New York Giants. They need offensive line. I get it. And every, every Giant fan out there after I gave them two defensive players with uh, picks five and seven and, and did not give them an offensive lineman was yelling at me. I understood. I put Trayvon Walker there ahead of 
Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. And Walker, he, if you watch him on tape, they play him a lot inside. They drop him off sometimes. His sack production wasn't great. He's an explosive player. He showed those traits that you look for in his workout. Unbelievably long arms, 272 pounds, runs in the low four fives. And, and his whole workout was outstanding. That doesn't mean he's going to go ahead of Thibodeau, but there are a lot of mixed opinions on Thibodeau. Were you surprised to see Walker there? Do you think that's a possibility? Or will you be shocked if Thibodeau's not the second defensive end off the board? Yeah, I think, Todd, I, I think Walker is the wild card, if you would say that, for defensive linemen. You didn't get the sack production. You got the great workout. You got the great versatility. I look at Thibodeau as a guy that if he drops to where you have him is going to be highly motivated. I still have Thibodeau ahead of Walker, but they're completely different in terms of the way Thibodeau was used will be the way he's used in the NFL. The way Walker will be used will be interesting to see the team that drafts him. What do they do with him? Okay, Do they establish him at one spot at Georgia? He was all over the place. So I, I want to see how they handle Walker in terms of the scheme, the coaching he gets, and the way he's utilized. Okay, So completely different kind of players. Teams will look at them. If you like one, you don't necessarily love the other and vice versa so because it's the way you're going to utilize that player and what plan you have in place will be important to Walker maximizing all that incredible talent that we saw on display at the combine workout yeah and then the last thing that I, I kind of struggled with is, is getting a third quarterback off the board not that you necessarily have to but it's interesting because you get to pick 21 and from 21 to 31 there isn't a team that really needs a quarterback there isn't a team period so, you know, you want to, if you want to go get a quarterback and move up from the second round, you've got to get ahead of Detroit at 32 would be the assumption, right? So you've got kind of that whole window to try to move up and go get a guy. I had Atlanta moving up for Matt Corral. What's interesting is like Carolina needs a quarterback. We know they're in the Deshaun uh, Watson sweepstakes right now. They're one of the couple teams. They, they and the Saints are the two teams we're hearing a lot of noise about with Deshaun Watson. But so I had Atlanta moving up because I, Carolina doesn't have a second-round pick. I think it's got to be Watson or another veteran uh, to fill that hole if they're not going to move forward um, with, with Sam. So the bottom line is I think the Falcons are in a position to move up and go get a guy. Now, I went with Corral. I could easily see it being Desmond Ritter, as we talked about before. So I'm just curious, are there any other teams that you think could move into the first round to get that fifth-year option at the quarterback spot with one of these quarterbacks? And which quarterback do you think? Is it going to be Corral or Ritter to be the third quarterback off the board, if, if not the second? Todd, I, I'm a big Ritter guy, and I, I had Ritter in there with Corral. I think Corral, you think about not being able to go through the process with the injury coming out of that RPO system. And there's mixed opinion on all these quarterbacks. When you talk to people in the league, your head spins after that. You really don't know, and that's why you got to get back to what we think, Todd. We go back. It's unbelievable. It's unlike any other year. Yeah, yeah you talk. Yeah, yeah, and you talk to people, why do we talk to everybody? Because we want to figure out mock drafts. Mock drafts are about what you're hearing, but we're human. We hear things, and these guys are the best in the business in the league. Does it affect your mind? It has to a little bit. It makes you go back to the drawing board a bit. So at this time of the year, when you're trying to combine mock drafts with quarterback ratings, which are our own, Todd and I, we never check each other out. We hear about it, and we, we react to what we're hearing, but we don't go look at each other's ratings. They're independent. So that's what we're worrying about, but then these mock drafts come into 
to it, mm. which I kind of started. They created this monster back in 1979, I think, and it's got it's got a control right now. But that's what it's all about: is trying to figure <laughs> out mock dress and forget about the mock dress and move on to your ratings, which are more important than anything. Mel, we all blame you. I love that. Mel's the one that created the monster yeah. of the mock. That is fantastic. That will go, no doubt, in the bio. By the way, you, you want to talk about real-time affecting your mock. That is, Todd McShay. I know you had a Jabo out of Michigan going to, uh, to the Eagles and one of their three picks. The Eagles just uh, reached an agreement with Hassan Reddick out of Carolina. Temple guy, three years, $45 million of the numbers, at least, we're seeing according to reports. So we will see how that plays out and how much that affects you and what the the Eagles are trying to do with their three first-round picks. Another team here, and and a topic that I cannot wait for. Um, News today, Mitch Trubisky has come to a two-year agreement with the Steelers. Todd, you had the Steelers in your mock taking Malik Willis at 20 here. Does that change your thought process with the Steelers at 20 and what they do with Trubisky coming there to Pittsburgh for two years? It probably does, but I'm, I, I don't want to 100% commit to it. And Mach 4.0 is a long way away, and thankfully Mel's got a Mach 3.0 between now and then. So, listen, Mitch Trubisky, everyone says that, you know, he learned a lot. He really benefited from the year he had uh, in Buffalo and, and being around Josh Allen and Brian Dable, and, and, and they think that he can turn it around. And he didn't play terribly in Chicago. It was a, a terrible situation he was in. But he just never had a, a long time to kind of work through the, the bumps and, and also the supporting cast to help him. So I'm interested to see how it plays out. But I don't think this prevents Pittsburgh from drafting a quarterback. I think Malik Willis would be fascinating in that system. I've said it from the beginning. A guy that will need a year to develop after just two years starting at Liberty, after transferring from Auburn originally, getting bumped down to the number three quarterback at Auburn, being talked to about maybe moving to wide receiver. I mean, this guy has not had a lot of game experience, and he's got a lot still to learn in terms of the mental aspect of playing the game, pre-snap, post-snap reads, etc. So uh, if you bring him into a situation with a quarterback that has a two-year deal in Trubisky that you're hoping is going to be the future, you hope you can build around him, but no one can tell me right now that, hey, next seven, ten years with Mitch Trubisky, Mm. you can't. I think Mm -hmm. he can be good, but I'm I'm not convinced. So if you like Malik Willis and think that there's that upside there and that you could go all in on him with a really good defense, a strong run game, maybe a year or two from now, then it's worth the pick at number 20. Because if not, then you're drafting an offensive tackle probably, you know, Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa if he's still there. And that would be a good pick, and you need help in other areas. But I would rather take a chance on a guy you could develop behind Trubisky for a year. Now you've got options. Now you've got a future and a plan rather than just kind of hoping that Trubisky is, has taken the next level as a backup quarterback this past year. All right, let, let's talk about the couple key words you brought up, developing, right, and sitting there and waiting, a guy who's done that the last couple years. I want to play a what-if here. Uh, Mel, what if at number 20 the Steelers decide, you know what, we're not going to take somebody in this draft. Let's go back to somebody who was drafted just a couple years ago and will not be getting off the bench because of Aaron Rodgers. If you're the Steelers, would you entertain the idea of going to Green Bay and say, we'll give you the 20th pick overall for Jordan Love? I would, and I liked Love coming out, and Todd will give us 10 minutes on Jordan Love because he <laughs> loved Love coming out. Uh, I, look at, I look at Jordan Love, and I have a, I had a higher grade on Love than I do any quarterback in this draft. So if you go by that, and he's, keep in mind, guys, think about this. 
He's younger than Kenny Pickett, Jordan Love is, by like five months. Younger than Kenny Pickett. And he's played two years in the NFL or had two years in the NFL, none of which went according to normal, what it should have been in terms of developing uh, Jordan Love because of COVID, no preseason games and all that at first year. And then this year he got the one start. Jordan Love's got big time arm talent. Jordan Love didn't play great that last year. Why? Because his head coach, coordinator, a lot of talent around him left. Okay, and that's why the numbers came way down in terms of the numbers from interceptions went way up from like six to 17 touchdowns from 40 plus down to 20. So, again, uh, no rushing touchdowns after having seven Jordan Love when he had help. Right coach, right coordinator was outstanding. So to me, if I'm the Steelers, I'm pairing Mitch Trubisky with a young quarterback. It was a win-win then. If Trubisky is tied said, we don't know what kind of quarterback over a two- to five-year period he's going to be. Uh, okay, maybe, maybe not. You catch lightning in the bottle, who knows? But in that division with Burrow, Lamar, Baker, you better figure it out quick. Or you're fourth, you're in a cellar. We talked about that with other teams. Then you have Dwayne Haskins. Seemed like internally they liked some things maybe about him. We don't know. I would go after either if Willis fell to 20, fine. I'd give up 20 for Love. If I got the 20th pick, Tyler Linderbaum, because of the short arms, was projected at 10, may be available now at 20. Kendrick Green could be the guard who they drafted at Illinois last year. So I would go that route. I would think about sending pick 20, to Green Bay for Jordan Love. I think that makes more sense than drafting. We don't even know if Malik Willis, Todd, will be there at 20. I want your – because you love Love, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, do you feel like – and I like them, and I'm willing to give up 20 for him. Would you be willing to give up pick number 20 for Jordan Love if you're the Steelers? Yeah, I think I would. I actually would. I, I don't know that, that that would be a deal that they're going to make, but I, I, like you, I have a slightly better grade on, on Love coming out of school than I, than I have on the quarterbacks this year, Pickett and, and, um, and Willis. I have just, just a, like a razor below, below, those, um, below Love in terms of the grade, what I had. So I, I, would, I would entertain it, but again, I, I don't think the Steelers, if you're bringing in Trubisky, I, listen, Love is young. You saw one start and it didn't look really good. So there, that part is concerning. But certainly I would, I'm with you, Mel. Like Malik Willis makes sense at 20. And if Malik Willis makes sense and I had a slightly higher grade on love, then yeah, that makes sense as well. If it's just giving up that, that, um, that one, the first round pick, the 20th overall pick. So that would make sense to me. But if you have to give up any more than that, which I don't think you would have to. Uh, then I, I would be out because they still have other holes that they need to fill. And you talked about offensive line being one of them. And if you're the Packers and you can get a first-round pick right now to help that team immediately on the field, you do it without even blinking, Absolutely. right, in that situation. And, and you know, uh, offline here, Todd, Mel was – you know, he was, he was frothing on the conversation of Jordan Love considering the conversation we had at the Combine a couple of years ago for charity where you had Jordan Love going ahead of Her- Herbert. Look at Mel. Mel. Mel is nodding in approval here where the charity bet, of course, was Mel had Herbert going <laughs> before Jordan Love. I, I'm sorry to bring that up, Todd, but uh, – Mel wanted to make sure I'm just that trying, was I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to do good things, you know. I'm just trying to help people out out there and help charity. And, you know, one of us has got to give back to the community, right? Yes, exactly. And you certainly did on that. So we, we appreciate that. But it is an intriguing concept if the Packers can retain a first-round pick somewhere from somebody or even a package deal with high second-round picks for Jordan Love right now while he's sitting there waiting and wondering about his future. All right. The NFL draft is almost here. Keep this in mind. And our draft gurus who are right on the left and right of me, and that is, of course, they're predicting who will be this year's hottest picks. They're doing what they love, but isn't it time to start doing what you love? 
Sports journalists anticipate a play before it happens. They foresee opportunities and they know when to act on them. Even understanding how to talk to players is an acquired skill. At least that's what I'm told. St. Bonaventure will give you the confidence you need. Their 100% online master of arts in sports journalism is guided by an alumni advisory board who hold top jobs in the country's largest media organizations, become a modern-day sports journalist, and create inspiring stories based on the best journalistic practices. Learn a variety of digital skills like social media, storytelling, podcasting, and mobile experiences. St. Bonaventure's online courses are designed flexible to work around your current schedule. In just a year and a half, you too could be covering professional sports like all of us here at ESPN with no application fee or GMAT required. What's stopping you from taking an enrollment advisor today or at least talking to one? Visit SBUJournalism.com to find out more. That is SBUJournalism.com. The fighting Adrian Wojnarowski's. That is St. Bonaventure University. Mel, it's time to go off script. What do you got this week? Hey, Kev, about, uh, what, 15 minutes ago, Todd gave us one life in the day, maybe 20 minutes on the life in the day of Todd McShay with his mock dress. I'll give you maybe three minutes of life (laughs) in the morning with Kuiper trying to look at these players. Hey, I look at Cole Kelly quarterback out of southeast Louisiana this morning, formerly of Arkansas, where he had six starts. He's like 6'7", 250. And when you watch him, and I thought I went back and studied him this morning, right? Yeah, you love the mechanics. You love everything about him physically. Think about him. He always had 500 rushing yards for southeastern Louisiana, and he had 16 rushing touchdowns. Nice completion percentage, 40 touchdowns, all that. The JMU game. Quality 1AA opponent in Louisiana Tech. In those two games, he threw 10 picks on the year. Five of the 10 came in those two games. And the ball placement needs to improve. He made receivers work for the foot to get the football, to catch the ball. And then in those couple games where he threw the picks, he's thrown in against the receivers who were blanketed. So there's some things he needs to develop and improve on. But the talent's there. He's dual threat because he's underrated with his legs. He can keep those chains moving. I think in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, Todd, Cole Kelly out of southeastern Louisiana makes a lot of sense. I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball for another guy, Kalia Davis. Don't forget about a guy who got hurt. Got hurt against East Carolina with October 9th, Game 5. He was really impressive before he got hurt. He had a great game against Boise State with three tackles for a loss. Powerful hands. The way he hustles down the line of scrimmage laterally. This kid is a guy who I think, former linebacker in high school, really liked Kalia Davis. Saw a lot at Central Florida indicate to me in the fourth, fifth, sixth round area, Kalia Davis is going to be a starter rotation guy at defensive tackle. They moved him a lot, like all different spots along that Central Florida defensive front. So I really like Kalia Davis coming off that knee injury. And finally, JoJo Doman. Matt Milano would be the comp for me with JoJo Doman. Kid played everywhere in high school, did everything. Same thing at Nebraska. He can cover in the slot, whether it's safety, linebacker. He's all over the field making plays. Tremendous savvy, super intelligent kid. Sixth year at Nebraska means he'll be a 25-year-old rookie in the NFL this year. I think JoJo Doman doesn't get out of the third round. Love the comp to Matt Milano, Todd. I want to hear about those three guys. What do you like? What do you hate? Give me your opinion. I think Cole Kelly's interesting. You know, this year we, we know about Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett and Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter. Sam Howell's probably the fifth of the quarterbacks to come off the board out of UNC. 
Then there's a lot of question marks, and it's going to be a couple rounds probably before we see another quarterback. Some people like Bailey Zappi. I'm, I'm not completely sold on him, but I could see him in the fourth or fifth round range coming out of Western Kentucky, the former transfer. Uh, the, you know, Carson Strong gets a lot of love because he's got a big arm and he throws some beautiful balls down the field. But the inconsistency with the accuracy and the lack of mobility um, just really – I struggle with him. Three other names keep coming up when I talk to teams about who are the day three quarterbacks. That, Like you said, the fifth, sixth, seventh round range. Jack Cohn from Notre Dame, former Wisconsin transfer, because he's so smart and you want him in the quarterback room. And he can come in and he can perform functionally at the next level. He's not going to be a good starter, but you're looking for a backup who's smart and can be really helpful helpful for your starting quarterback. And Jack Cohn can be that. Skylar Thompson from Kansas State doesn't have a great arm, but he's got a little bit of mobility, throws a nice ball of touch and anticipation. And he's another name I keep hearing. And Cole Kelly's the third one that I keep hearing. So I think looking in that fifth, seventh round range, you wouldn't be surprised to see Cohn, uh, Thompson, and Kelly come off the board. Good stuff, fellas. Uh, by the way, thanks for taking it easy uh, on me filling in for Field Yates. It's been a pleasure being a part of First Draft here. And by the way, uh, if you want more draft outside of this podcast and YouTube channel, of course, Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper will join me later on next month on the College Football Podcast, which is part of the ESPN Podcast of Families. Mel, Todd, it's been a pleasure. We will see you, of course, later on this week on the First Draft and also popping up on SportsCenter as we deal with NFL free agency. Pleasure, guys. Thank you. 